Well, I was doing pretty good until that. <clears throat> uh, but thank you. The outline for the message today is in the front inside cover of the announcement folder that you received when you came in. And I'd encourage you to look at it there and see what you see before you. As you look at it, you will notice that there are a lot of Bible verses noted. And the theme today is life together, pursuing the best life together. And I've chosen as the theme for the message with that theme, one thing. Pastor Steve's mentioned the one thing already a couple of times. Matter of fact, he mentioned what I was going to start with, and that's City Slickers. Back in June, I was counseling with someone in my office, and uh, as we were talking about things and what's really needful, what's really necessary, I pointed out there was one thing. And as we talked together, uh, it hit me that that's the way I need to address my last day here, my last sermon. So I took a while we were talking, I took a, a sticky note pad and I wrote one thing last sermon on it and I stuck it in the inside of my calendar book and it's still there. Every day when I opened my calendar book, there it was, one thing, last sermon. And here we are. I've given a lot of thought to one thing over those last seven months. One thing. Oh, I realized I'd given a lot of thought to that one thing my whole life. And hopefully you will have given thought to that one thing over your life as well. Well, when I hear one thing, I think of City Slickers too. It's the same thing that pops into our mind. You know, I even went back and, and borrowed the film from somebody, the video from somebody, because I thought, well, I could show that clip this morning. So I watched it last week. And the two clips that I wanted from the movie both have language inappropriate for church. <laughs> so we see no video clip this morning. That would have been the first time in my ministry I would have ever used a video clip. When I asked about it, they were shocked that I would use a video clip. So in your mind, if you've ever seen that movie, it's older than I realized it was, from 91. Um, there is Curly the trail boss. Three men trying a midlife crisis, trying to determine what is really most important in life. What, what is life meaning? And one of them is just desperate for this. He's lost his smile. Funny guy, lost his smile. He, his wife said, go find your smile. Go do this thing. They signed up for a cattle drive on this ranch in the summer for their vacation to drive cattle from New Mexico into Colorado. And the first thing that happens when they get to this ranch is they meet the trail boss who is Jack Palance, Curly, and he scares the bejeebers out of them. Whoa, he's a tough guy. Matter of fact, uh, Billy Crystal's comment about him was, I think his skin is real leather. <laughs> so they were pretty frightened, but somewhere along the way then, Billy Crystal and Jack Palance, Curly, get to meet one another in a special way, just the two of them. And he's telling Jack why he's on this trail ride. Because he's asking him, why are you here? You know, you don't fit here. And he said, because I need to find what's important in life. I need to connect with something. 
And Jack Palance turns to him, as Pastor Steve told you, and said, well, there's just one thing. And he says, what is it? And he doesn't answer him. Not long after that, Jack Palance actually dies on the trail drive. And these three guys are left to drive the cattle the rest of the way into Colorado. They'd never done this in their lives. It was a challenge to them to actually, actually risking their lives to get these cattle where they needed to go. And they actually, through the video, through the movie, they actually make it, of course. Interesting film. Language not so good, but, the, but great, great message because there is one thing. And the thing that happens when he dies is Billy Crystal is distraught because, you know what, I never found out what the one thing was. Until the end of the movie, when he begins to realize what one thing is. Now, his one thing was that it's different for every person. What the one thing is is different for every person. I'm going to tell you this morning that the one thing that's really most important, the one thing that is needful, is the same for every one of us. It's the very same. And it's not hard to find. It's all over God's Word. That's why so many Bible passages this morning. Because if you look at the outline in the folder and you see Bible verse, Bible verse, Bible verse, Bible verse all the way through, you think, wow, wonder what one thing is most important. Hmm. Maybe it's God's Word. Because it speaks to us about the one thing that's most important all over the place. We start with Joshua 24, 15. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me at my house, we will serve the Lord. What's the one thing that was most important was knowing the Lord. Not the gods of these people or the gods of those people or gods of anything else, because we go to the Exodus, and I didn't write the Exodus verse in, the, in there, but the Exodus verse is critical for us. Exodus chapter 20, verse 3. You might want to make that note there for yourselves. Those of you who've been in confirmation class with me, and there are a number of you in the room for the last 30-plus years, my very first confirmation, half of my first confirmation class is here this morning because there were only two people in it. My son Eric is here. He's the other half. <laughs> and the other person that's in it was a Luther, has become a Lutheran school teacher. So good things have been born from that. But confirmation, I, te I tell them why, where you need to look to get your grounding is in Exodus chapter 20. Because Exodus chapter 20 is where we find the Ten Commandments. Exodus 20 verse 3 says, You shall have no other gods besides me. And in the next verses, 4, 5, and 6, God explains why that's true. And then he goes to the second, second commandment in verse 7. So there's a big explanation about that first one. It's important to God, and he wants it to be important to us to know the one thing, the one thing that's the most important. You shall have no other gods beside me. So we move to Matthew chapter 22. Jesus is asked that question. What's the greatest commandment? Here it is. He says, teacher, which is the great, great commandment of the law? And he said to him, 
You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. So if you ever wanted to know what Jesus thinks is the most important thing, the one thing, it's to love God. Love God. What does that mean, to love God? It means an intimate, close relationship with God, to love him. Why? Because he loves us first. He loved us while we were still sinners. He sent his son. He loves us from creation on when sin first came into the, into, into the creation and broke it. His work to, to resolve that, to, to bring about peace with him again, bring wholeness, to bring forgiveness, to bring everlasting life to us with him in a perfect mode in heaven, in eternity. He starts working right away. He loves us that much. He wants us with him forever. So it's most important to him that we love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. That doesn't leave anything out. That's your whole being. Love God with your whole being. Now, we love each other. You know, we have special people in our lives, wives, moms and dads, children, people we care about in our lives who we really put first. But this commandment says you are to have no other gods. Don't make gods out of those people. Don't worship them. You're worshiping God. But they're important. Those relationships with people are critical. Because what he says after this, where the, he's asked what's the greatest commandment, is, and the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. And he says that because he knows how much we love ourselves. That's sin. That's what got us in trouble in the first place. Not that it's wrong to care for yourself, but we are not God. We're not to love ourselves in that manner. So God is the first and foremost emphasis. A love relationship with God, a personal relationship with God, an intimate relationship with God is number one. Now I looked at Luke because that's where our text is this morning, which I haven't gotten to yet. We're heading there. But Luke begins in an interesting way. The very beginning of Luke. Now Luke we believe, because of the way he introduces this book, this gospel according to Luke, the way he introduces this lets us know that he also wrote the book of Acts because he starts it off very similarly. He's addressing both of these writings to somebody named Theophilus. We don't know Theophilus from anybody, but we know it was important to, to Luke. And it sounds like in this first verse I'm going to read you, these first four, four verses of Luke, it sounds like he was somebody that was in catechism class with Luke. He was teaching him about Jesus. He was, he was telling him about Jesus, and then he writes this gospel account. He's addressing it here. He writes it for Theophilus to have a better, clearer understanding of who this Jesus is. Listen to this. At the beginning of Luke, he says, Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. That you may have certainty, that you may be sure of what you've been taught, that it is the truth of God. The truth. So he's discipling Theophilus. And what is the discipling? Discipling is... The gospel of God's love in Jesus Christ, bringing that into a person's heart and a person's life so that God becomes the one thing. 
me. Because when you have Jesus in your heart, you have forgiveness, you have eternal life, you have the one thing needful. And, of course, John, the gospel according to John, calls it out right away in the beginning that Jesus is the Word made flesh, the Word that was spoken at creation that created all things. Jesus is a part. He's with it. He is it. So that brings us to our text this morning. Our text this morning is Luke chapter 10, verse 38 to 42. It goes this way. You may have heard this before. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. She went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. So if you wanted to hear Jesus say one thing, there it is. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. Now we go, wait a minute. He didn't say what it was. Mary has chosen the one thing, the one thing necessary. And what she has chosen, this portion she's chosen, will not be taken from her. But they didn't, she, Jesus didn't say what it was. Not specifically. So we're going, wait a minute. Where's the one thing? Kind of like Curly, right? No answer. Hmm. You never thought of Jesus being like Curly, I'm sure. But he didn't answer the question. But Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Deuteronomy gives us a big clue into this because Jesus often quotes uh, Moses. He often quotes, most often quotes the Psalms too. But Deuteronomy 8 verse 3. Talking about God to the Israelites. Moses is speaking in Deuteronomy as they're about to go into the promised land. So he's kind of giving the summary where you're at, what's going on with you. And he says this. He says, And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know. Nor did your fathers know that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Jesus is saying to Martha, Mary understands that verse. Mary understands that teaching. We live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord, not the food you're preparing, Martha. What's more important is the food of the Word of God that will come and fill your spirit, that will buoy you up to deal with stuff as it comes in your life. Because by yourself, life is pretty dangerous. It's pretty scary, and it's going to have you feeling without hope. But this food, the Word of God, oh, inviting him into your home and having him sit there and get to hear him one-on-one... Whoa! You're in the kitchen! Now, there's nothing wrong with the food, and there's nothing wrong with preparation. He's not scolding her so much as he's saying, just pay attention to what's really important here. Don't get on her case. She's doing the right thing. You're doing what you're doing, and 
that's okay. But the reality is there's one thing really needful, and that's that relationship, that relationship with God through his word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Jesus. The one thing. Jesus wants, first of all, to serve us with the blessings of his gospel. That's what he's doing with Mary. He's serving it up. The one thing needful is to be fed and then go out and feed. After Jesus has refreshed our souls with the gospel, these are the notes that are in your folder here. After Jesus has refreshed our souls with the gospel, he is pleased to have us honor and serve him in the faithful performance of our earthly duties. So he's calling us to be fed by him and then to go out and feed others, to go out and do the things we're called to do. Whatever that is, and, it's, and it can be your daily work, whatever you're doing. You don't have to be preaching the word verbally. You need to be living out the love of God in action and then in words. When necessary, use words. It's an attitude of dependence on Jesus that really matters. That's the one thing. Do we depend on Jesus in every situation? You see, the one thing needful is the gift that Jesus has come to bring. The gift that he has come to bring. When we faithfully receive the word of God, that is the good thing above all others. It's the best portion of food that we can have, that we can receive, is the word of God itself. So how can we have Jesus as a permanent guest in our homes? Now we look at this picture from the gospel text where we have Jesus in Martha's home, she invites him in, and he's right there physically present with, Jesus, with Mary, uh, Mary and, and Martha as well. Uh, they're, they're present. And we think, yeah, wow, that would be cool to have Jesus come be in our house. It's the one thing needful in your home, that Jesus is present. And he promises to be present. I will never leave you or forsake you. It means I am with you all the time. Forsake means I'm not turning my back on you. I'm right, I'm right there with you in the midst of what you're dealing with. I'm with what you're going through. And I want you to pass on your love of God in Jesus to the people in your home. First and foremost, yes. That you exhibit the love of God that he has for us to each other. And sometimes, you know, there are situations in our families. Families are the closest relationships we have. I had said over the years uh, that, that the person I, I like, I am the person I like the least to the people I love the most. And that may sound like a strange thing, but that's my observation in life is I'm a person I like the least to the people I love the most because when I get home from a day of driving, in the old days, okay, before I was in the ministry, and I was working out by the Astrodome all the way across Houston, the other side of town, and I lived out here in Aldine, and I was driving across Houston every day. By the time I got home, you know how you are. You just want to be home. And all it took was for some bickering with the kids or some other kind of thing to say and do something without thinking and be the person I like the least to the people I love the most. I apologize for that. I think you and I are contended with the same thing every day. 
There are moments in time where the devil wants to really get in between us and Christ. He wants to get our eyes off of the cross. He wants us to turn our back on it and just do what I want to do. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul. And your neighbor is yourself. That's number one. That's the one thing. So as we know that, we tune into that. That's what we have to keep helping each other with. Not badgering each other about it, but helping, encouraging each other in this. Because our sinful human nature, which we're born in, does not naturally go there. That is not our default place. Our default place is sin. The Holy Spirit wants to intervene and change that gradually in this life. And it's not completed until we're in eternity with Jesus, where we can do it perfectly. That's what he calls us to be about. So how can we have Jesus as a permanent guest in our homes? By being in the Word individually and together as couples. If, you, if you're in a family with your children. What can our home life be like when we always think of Jesus as present? That's the next note there. What can our home life be like when we always think of Jesus as present. Would it be different than it is now? Maybe it's already that way, and I, that's a blessing. We all have to work at it, and we, none of us do it perfectly. But pursuing the best life together, that's what this is about. It's about that one thing, having Christ present and recognizing his presence with us. So the question under that one that I've written on my notes and not in your bulletin you might want to ponder. How should family members imitate Mary's example when there is opportunity to hear God's word? Every time there's the opportunity to hear Jesus' words, we should take it. Ooh. Or maybe make an opportunity to hear God's word. One thing, one thing is necessary in pursuing the best life together and it sums up kind of in Colossians chapter 3, verses 15 to 17. I printed that out for you, too, because it's something to think on for your home, for your life, your, the pursuing the best life together. Colossians 3, starting with verse 15, says, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. How would our homes look if that was the theme the family was driving home from church. They had a little daughter in the back seat. <clears throat> They're driving along, and the daughter says, You know, this morning the pastor said that God is so big that he can hold all of us in his hands. Is that true? And mom and dad are in the front seat shaking their heads yes, and mom said, Yes, that's true. That's exactly right. God is that big. He's bigger than anything. Wow. She's quiet for a few minutes, and she says, well, the pastor also said that God lives in my heart. Is that true? 
And they shook their heads, yes. They said, yes, that's right, he does. He's right with you everywhere you go. He's right there all the time. Well, it was quiet for a minute or two, and then she said, well, you know, if God is that big and he lives in me, wouldn't he be showing through? And we say amen. He should be showing through, shouldn't he, if he's that big. Let's pray. Father, thank you this day for the opportunity we've had to, to be together as your people, particularly here at Resurrection, at Lord of Life Plano, at St. Matthew Conway, at Peace Conway, with places where I've been in the past, that we had the opportunity to be a family of Christ wherever we were and welcomed in in such a wonderful way, Father, where your love shows through. doesn't mean that everything was always peaceful and loving. It means that we knew the theme. We knew the main thing, the one thing that's most needful, and that's forgiveness in Christ, wholeness in his body, that we are the body of Christ together, the believers in Jesus. We thank you for the way you've made us, Father, for the way you've created us and the opportunity you give us and help us to never lose sight of the fact that our task is not just to take your love in, but to give it away, to share it with others around us so that it multiplies, just like the fish and the loaves, that it, there's more left over even after we're giving it away. Grow us in this reality. Grow us in this understanding. And help us to bear the fruit of the Spirit in all that we say and in all that we do so that we never lose sight of the one thing necessary. Your word, relationship with Jesus himself, your love. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.